Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 44. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing airport operations. Stay tuned for all this and more and Squawk 5353. Before we begin this week's episode, I'd like to encourage you to consider donating to my Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a way for you to financially support the show. This show takes a lot of time each week to research, write, record, and edit. It would mean the world to me if you went over to my Patreon and considered donating to the show. Another way for you to support the show is to subscribe to this podcast and whatever podcast listening app you are using. That way, new episodes are automatically downloaded to your device. Thank you for supporting this podcast, and now back to today's main topic, airport operations. The law defines airports by categories of airport activities, including commercial service, primary, cargo service, reliever, and general aviation airports. A commercial service airport is a publicly owned airport that has at least 2,500 passenger boardings each calendar year and receives scheduled passenger service. The term passenger boardings refers to revenue passenger boardings on an aircraft in service in air commerce, whether or not it be a scheduled service. The definition also includes passengers who continue on aircraft in international flight that stops at an airport in any of the 50 states for a non-traffic purpose, such as refueling or aircraft maintenance. Passenger boardings at airports that receive scheduled passenger service are also referred to as implantments. A cargo service airport is an airport that in addition to any other air transportation services that may be available, are served by aircraft providing air transportation of only cargo with a total annual loaded weight of more than 100 million pounds. Landed weight means the weight of the aircraft transporting only cargo in intrastate, interstate, and foreign air transportation. An airport may be both a commercial service and a cargo service airport. The next category of airport is a reliever airport which are airports designated by the FAA to relieve congestion at commercial service airports and to provide improved general aviation access to the overall community. These may be publicly or privately owned. For example, the main airport in Chicago is Chicago O'Hare. However, there are a variety of different smaller reliever airports such as Chicago Executive, which makes the community much more accessible to general aviation. Finally, there are general aviation airports. These are the remaining airports and are commonly described as general aviation airports. This airport type is the largest single group of airports in the United States system. This category also includes privately owned public use airports that employ 2,500 or more passengers annually and receive scheduled airline service. There are different types of airports as well as different categories. They branch towered and non-towered airports. These types can be further subdivided into civil airports or airports that are open to the general public, military or federal government airports, or airports operated by the military, National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA, or other agencies of the federal government. Finally, there are private airports. But looking at our two main types, we have the towered airport and the non-towered airport. A towered airport has an operating control tower. Air Traffic Control, or ATC, is responsible for providing for the safe, orderly, and expeditious flow of air traffic at airports where the type of operations and or volume of traffic requires such a service. 
pilots operating from a towered airport are required to maintain two-way radio communications with ATC and to acknowledge and comply with their instructions. Pilots must advise ATC if they cannot comply with the instructions issued and request amended instructions. A pilot may deviate from any air traffic instruction in case of an emergency, but must advise ATC of the deviation as soon as possible. A non-towered airport does not have an operating control tower. Two-way radio communications are not required, although it is a good operating practice for pilots to transmit their intentions on the specified frequency for the benefit of other traffic in the area. The key to communicating at an airport without an operating control tower is the selection of the correct common frequency. The acronym CTAF, which stands for Common Traffic Advisory Frequency, is also synonymous for this program. A CTAF is a frequency designated for the purpose of carrying out airport advisory practices while operating to or from an airport without an operating control tower. The CTAF may be a universal integrated community or unicom, a multicom, a flight service station frequency, or the tower frequency and is identified in appropriate aeronautical publications. Unicom is a non-government, air-to-ground radio communication station that may provide airport information at public-use airports where there is no tower or flight service station. On pilot request, Unicom stations may provide pilots with weather information, wind direction, the recommended runway, or other necessary information. If the Unicom frequency is designated as the CTAF, it is identified in an appropriate aeronautical publication as well. Non-tower traffic patterns are always entered at pattern altitude. How you enter the pattern depends on the direction of arrival. The preferred method of entering from the downwind side of the pattern is to approach the pattern on a course of 45 degrees to the downwind leg and join the pattern midfield. There are several ways to enter the pattern if you're coming from the upwind leg side of the airport. One method of entry from the opposite side of the pattern is to announce your intentions and cross over the midfield at least 500 feet above pattern altitude. However, if large or turbine aircraft operate at your airport, it's best to remain 2,000 feet AGL so you're not in conflict with their traffic pattern altitude. When well clear of the pattern approximately 2 miles, scan carefully for traffic and descend back down to the pattern altitude, then turn right or left to enter a 45 degree angle to the downwind. An alternate method is to enter the midfield crosswind at pattern altitude, carefully scan for traffic, announce your intentions, and then turn downwind. This technique should not be used if the pattern is busy. Remember to always give way to the aircraft on the preferred 45 degree entry and to aircraft already established in the downwind. In either case, it's vital to announce your intentions and remember to scan outside. Before joining the downwind leg, adjust your course or speed to blend in with the other traffic. Adjust power on the downwind leg or sooner to fit into the flow of traffic. Avoid flying too fast or too slow. Speeds recommended by the airplane manufacturer should be used. This will generally follow somewhere between 70 to 80 knots for fixed gear singles and 80 to 90 knots for high-performance retractable landing gear aircraft. When a pilot flies to a different airport, it's important to review the current data for that airport. This data provides the pilot with information such as communication frequencies, services available, closed runways, or airport construction notices. There are multiple different sources for this information, including aeronautical charts, the Chart Supplement US, formerly known as the AFD or Airport Facility Directory, notices to airmen or NOTAMs, and the Automated Terminal Information Service or the ADIS. First and foremost, we have the aeronautical charts. Aeronautical charts provide specific information on airports. Oftentimes, these charts, such as your VFR sectional chart, are difficult to read, but with the use of a legend, the information can become very usable. 
Next, there is the Chart Supplement US. The Chart Supplement US, formerly again the Airport Facility Directory, provides the most comprehensive information on a given airport. It contains information on airports, heliports, and seaplane bases that are open to the public. The Chart Supplement US is published in seven books, which are organized by regions and are revised every 56 days. The Chart Supplement is also available digitally, and many pilots often choose to use it in their Garmin or ForeFlight aviation apps. For a complete listing of information provided in the Chart Supplement US and how the information may be decoded, refer to the legend sample located at the front of each chart supplement. In addition to airport information, each chart supplement contains information such as special notices, Federal Aviation Administration and National Weather Service telephone numbers, preferred instrument flight rules routing, visual flight rules waypoints, a listing of very high frequency omnidirectional ranges or VOR receiver checkpoints, aeronautical chart bulletins, landed hold short operations or lasso procedures for selected airports, airport diagrams, parachute jumping areas, and facility phone numbers. It is beneficial to review a chart supplement to become familiar with it and the information that it contains. Third, there are notices to airmen. NOTAMs are time-critical aeronautical information, which is of a temporary nature or not sufficiently known in advance to permit publication on aeronautical charts or in other operational publications, and it receives instant distribution through the NOTAM system. The NOTAM information could affect your decision to make a flight it includes information such as taxiway and runway closures, constructions, communications, changes in the status of navigational aids, and other information essential to planned en route, terminal, or landing operations. Exercise good judgment and common sense by carefully regarding the information readily available in the NOTAMs. Prior to any flight, pilots should check the NOTAMs that could affect their intended flight. The last airport information source is the ATIS, or Automated Terminal Information Service. The Automated Terminal Information Service is a recording of the local weather conditions and other pertinent non-control information broadcast on a local frequency in a looped format. It is normally updated once per hour but is updated more often when changing local conditions warrant. Important information is broadcast on ATIS including weather, runways in use, specific ATC procedures, and any airport construction activity that could affect taxi planning. When the ATIS is recorded, it is given a code. This code is changed with every ATIS update. For example, ATIS Alpha is replaced by ATIS Bravo. The next hour, ATIS Charlie is recorded, followed then by ATIS Delta, and it progresses down the alphabet. Prior to calling ATC, tune to the ATIS frequency and listen to the recorded broadcast. The broadcast ends with a statement containing the ATIS code. For example, the ATC controller on the loop might say, advise on initial contact, you have information, bravo. Upon contacting the controller, state information Bravo was received. This allows the tower controller to verify that the pilot has the current local weather and the airport information without having to state it all to each pilot who calls. This also clears the tower frequency from being overtaken by the constant relay of the same information, which will result without an ATIS broadcast. The use of the ATIS broadcast at departure and arrival airports is not only a sound practice, but a wise decision. When at a towered airport, FAR 91.123 requires you to follow all ATC clearances and instructions. Request clarification if you are unsure about the clearance or instruction to be followed. If you are unfamiliar with the airport or unsure of the taxi road, ask ATC for a progressive taxi. Progressive taxi requires the controller to provide step-by-step -step instructions for taxiing. The final decision to act on ATC's instructions rests with you. 
If you cannot safely comply with any of ATC's instructions, inform them immediately by using the word unable. There is nothing wrong with telling controller that you are unable to safely comply with the clearance. Another way to mitigate the risk of runway incursions is to write down all taxi instructions as soon as they are received from ATC. It is also helpful to monitor ATC clearances and instructions that are issued to other aircraft. You should be especially vigilant if another aircraft has a similar sounding call sign so that there is no mistake about who ATC is contacting or to whom they are giving the instructions and clearances. Read back your complete ATC clearance with your aircraft call sign. This gives ATC the opportunity to clarify any misunderstandings and ensure that instructions were given to the correct aircraft. If at any time there is any uncertainty about any ATC instructions or clearances, ask ATC to say again or ask for progressive taxi instructions. The most important sign and marking on the airport is the hold short sign and the hold short markings. These are located on a stub taxiway leading directly to a runway. When ATC issues a hold short clearance, you are expected to taxi up to but not cross any part of the runway holding marking. At a towered airport, runway hold markings should never be crossed without explicit ATC instructions. Do not enter the runway at a towered airport unless instructions are given from ATC to cross, take off from, or line up and wait at that specific runway. ATC is required to obtain a readback from the pilot of the, all the hold short instructions. Therefore, you must read back the entire clearance and the hold short instruction to include the runway identifier and your call sign. As of June 30th of 2010, ATC is required to issue explicit instructions to cross or hold short of each runway. Instructions to cross on runway are normally issued one at a time and an aircraft must have crossed the previous runway before another runway crossing is issued. Exceptions may apply for closely spaced runways that are less than 1,000 feet between center lines. This applies to all runways to include active, inactive, or closed runways. Extra caution should be used when directed by ATC to taxi onto or across a runway, especially at night and during reduced visibility conditions. Always comply with hold short or crossing instructions when approaching an entrance to a runway. Scan the full length of runway and the final approaches before entering or crossing any runway, even if ATC has issued a clearance. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to check out last week's episode where I talk about risk management. As I mentioned at the beginning of this week's episode, please consider donating to my Patreon. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to all the resources used in today's episode. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast so that new episodes are automatically downloaded to your device. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, and let's make the skies a safer place. Squawk 5353.